Well, good morning, everybody. Little message for David. I'm a bit worried about that. What do you call it? Leaf blower. I will finish early. <laughs> Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper and the second last colour of the rainbow. And there it is. Indigo or bright blue or dark blue. But, uh, let's not get bogged down with colour palettes like you're in the paint section at Bunnings. The question is, where would you find this colour today? Got any ideas? Any suggestions, thoughts? What if you're in outer space? You know, it's not called the deep blue sea for nothing. And there's very good reason for it, because water in huge quantities tends to absorb the red side of the spectrum and reflect the blue. That's why we call it the deep blue sea. But when it comes to the vertical, in some ways, sky and sea are just the same. Both are transparent, you know, air, you can see through it. It's clear until you look up and suddenly, blue. Row your boat out to sea and take a glass of water and it's clear. Take another sample, no matter how far you go down, and bring it up and it's clear. But then when you look, blue. Even when you're underwater, what colour is it? Now don't get distracted, what colour is it? And then you can see the sky above, it is pale blue and you can see a bit of a shadow there. And now I think you better get out while you've got the chance, what do you think? But the sky and the sea are not quite the same. Above the sky is light and then you get above the sky there is the sun where all is light, lit up, brightness. But you go down and the light disappears. And you're kind of left with a crushing blackness. All the better reason why God once said, look, he would cast all our sins into what? Depths of the sea. You know, what goes down, stays down. What goes up, what? <laughs> yeah, come down. That's the contrast. But if water is what makes the planet blue, the question is, was this the world that God created? Or was it originally green? You know, the rainbow came after the flood. Water was the agent of destruction. It raked the earth over and over and until everything disappeared. In fact, so much water is around today that if we smoothed the earth out, we'd all be under about three kilometres of water. The whole earth was reshaped during the flood with some parts of the planet sort of pushed up and others sinking under the weight of all that water. And that's why we were only left with 30% land to live on and 70% left for the sea for the fish. And we are told in the technical level, and I'm not going to dwell on this for very long, you might have to speed read even, the earth contains enough within its crust, bound up in that mineral structure, 
to provide us with a whole lot more water if we need it. Back ten times, I'm told. They also say that volcanoes today, they spew out mostly water in the form of, they say, vapour, but they steam. Even though it doesn't look like you see lava and smoke and dust. And that's why we have a promise in the book of Revelation where the Apostle John says, whoops, what happened? Where the Apostle John said he saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old, he says, passed away, it's gone. And then he said there's something very special about the new. There was no more sea. So again, I put it to you. The new earth, is it going to be green or blue? All that sea. How many have set sail over the horizon never to be seen again? The sea divides, isolate. John's there on the island of Patmos. The sea, nothing else. The sea, used in prophecy to represent people's nations, empires, turbulent, uncontrolled, dangerous. And in that context, again, that promise, what does it mean? No more sea. You know, today, that sea is still with us. And how it must add to the significance of what we've been going on and on about, the rainbow, God's sign, God remembers, never again. That's the arch across the sky that includes, well, if you can see it, a little bit of indigo or dark blue. It's a reassurance that all that water out there, we're not to fear because it's under control. Go to Jesus' ministry. You know, for a while, things began to get under, out of control when some hotheads wanted to get together to make him king. And, you know, while we have many pictures of Jesus that we can put up on the screen, there's one that we just can't, I just can't find, and here it is. I want to see a Jesus. He's looking stern, decisive, eyes flashing. Go home, go Disciples, get on that boat, off to the other side. You know, it's not his place or ours, unless you want to be in something like that. Jesus left, I mean, the disciples left, but oh, so reluctantly. You know, if Jesus was who he said he was, why not? It was just so, so frustrating. Reminds me of those notices. Have you ever seen them? On the office walls? Disgruntled. Exasperated. Upset. And you know, that night they set out on that boat, they got their weather to match. Wind, wave, dark, wet, cold, miserable. All night long. Oh, if only their master was here with them right now. That's when things are always quiet, calm, peaceful. If only. And as if on cue, to meet those, that human need and those longings, a figure began to appear in the early morning light. 
walking on water. I mean, what's this? The figure then stopped, waved his arms and said, hey, it's me. No need to be afraid. Incredible. And there's Peter. You know, that's what sort of person Peter was. He can't contain himself. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Would you have ever said that? Did you hear Peter correctly? Did he actually say that? Well, I heard the answer in the distance. Come. You can't get any more simple than that. Now, I guess to the secular world this already sounds weird. Well, it's going to get a whole lot worse because you know what Peter did then? Put his hand on the side of the boat, put his leg up and got over the side, put his foot firmly on the surface of the what? Water. Got his other leg up, put it over the side of the boat, took his hand up, bent upright, and there he was standing on the water. Peter walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Yes, looking unto Jesus, Peter walks securely. As long as he looked, he walked. This is the promise that comes with indigo or dark blue in the rainbow. The agent that destroyed the earth, we can stand on it. It's the promise of the kingdom. Looking unto Jesus, it happens. But it requires 24-7 Every second of every minute of every hour, as long as life lasts. As long as Peter looked, oh yeah, you know what happens next. He sank. In this incident on the sea, he, Jesus, desired to reveal to Peter his own weakness. To show that his safety His only safety was in constant dependence upon divine power. And, let's read another quote. It says, those, now we're not talking about Peter, who are we talking about now? Who are the those? Oh, yes. Who fail to realise their constant dependence upon God will be what? Overcome by temptation. See those two words repeated. Constant dependence. Let go even a glance and what happens? Ha! This morning, driving here, I was running late. And immediately, with all this buzzing through my head, I immediately had to say, Leif, you're walking on water. You're not getting impatient because what happens? As soon as you get impatient, what happens? Start floundering. This is walking on water. Ridiculous! But that is the Christian life. Walking. 
Walking above all the ups and downs, above all the turbulence that defines the world, this world. God made man, all of us here today, to have dominion of the earth, the whole earth, not a measly 30%. And here it is, all of it, look at it. Just as God has promised, never again, never again, however high the waves, however violent the storm, we walk, we walk by faith, we walk the kingdom. Noah floated, but we walk. And the measure of this promise today is the measure of our inadequacy to be able to step off and step onto that kind of a surface. Water. Constant dependence. As for walking, well, what does that mean? Well, walking involves two principles. We're getting a bit of physics again this morning. Sorry about that. You need two fundamental principles. One, gravity to hold you down. Here it is. The friction to grip the surface. Those two forces complement each other. They do not compete with each other or, or, or contradict each other. They complement. They work together. And in the spiritual dimension... The same two principles, law and love. We keep God's law in a kindly, considerate way, always. We love always in an upright, principled manner. And the enabling power comes to us as we look to Jesus. Jesus walked. Peter walked. Who else walks? Every one of us here this morning, do we not? But in walking, is it kind of like bobbing around like a cork on a surface that's like this? Well, that was the picture I once had until I had to be corrected. And the correction came from some words in the book of Isaiah. It says, the path of the righteous is level. And as a level, you don't need to look at your feet or look around. It says, the upright one, make the way of the righteous, and to reinforce the point, smooth, smooth. Looking unto Jesus, the path under our feet is perfectly smooth, even though it is like walking on Water, that's the paradox. Satan's distractions are all around. It matters not what's happening over there or there or behind me there or even over there. The only place that really matters is under our feet. No matter what, it's perfectly smooth, under control, in a world where everything else is out of control. You see in those lovely pictures where the water is perfectly smooth? What does it take just to ruffle the surface even the teeniest weeny bit? <laughs> Me driving to church this morning with a little tiny bit of impatience. Ooh. So easy for the path, our path, to become rough, uneven, unsafe and perfectly sinkable. Like that Thursday night in Jerusalem as Jesus entered 
that upper room. Jesus was looking forward to this again because, well, it was going to be their last meal. But no, what happened? There was turbulence, there's rivalry. Oops, so, so before everything, anything else, Jesus had to take a towel and a basin and begin to wash their feet and their hearts. And as we got quoted up there now, in washing the feet of his disciples, Jesus gave evidence that he would do any service, any service, however humble, that would make them heirs with him of the eternal wealth of heaven's treasure. Jesus used water, washed their feet. But what happened with all the sin that was cluttering those disciples at the time? Where is it now? Somewhere at the bottom of the sea, out of sight, gone forever. Maybe there's one thing we can say about all that water that's down here. There's plenty of it. There's plenty available. Jesus was getting these men ready. And while they didn't know it, or quite know it at that moment, they were about to be given a commission so, so big that was going to cover the whole world, all of it. They were there to, going to proclaim the kingdom, to live the kingdom. But then like the uh, rainbow that we've got on the side there down, we're down to indigo. Let's say today's service is a reminder that we've got to start right up the very top. Red is the colour on top. For it's only through the body and blood of Jesus Christ that we can enter through the door into his kingdom. And then once we get down to that indigo into the rough, rough sea, into the real, real world. We only need to hear one word. And that's the one word you can take today from this message. And that one word is, come. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for so many of these symbols that remind us of your grace, of your salvation, of the fact that we can indeed have victory by looking to you, to taking that every step we take forward can be in your power and strength and that we can indeed live the life of an overcomer in a world that's out of control. For this, Lord, we come now to celebrate your table. In Jesus' name, amen. It uh, says in the Gospels that uh, Jesus Christ met with the disciples and uh, it records in Matthew that he says to them, uh, take this bread, this is my body. And then he says, take this a cup and drink of it because this is my blood. And in Luke, it records that Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And it's interesting to note that in the Old Testament, Jeremiah was spoken to by God. And God said to Jeremiah that a time will come when I will establish a new covenant with people. 
and I will write their heart, on their hearts and on their minds the law of love. And Jesus, in his uh, time on earth and then in his death, he, he brought anew the new covenant. He gave his life that we might have salvation through the giving of blood and his body. But Jesus comes to establish this new covenant in our hearts and minds. And so as we take of the bread and wine, it is a symbol of Jesus' body. It's something that we do, but it's not just something that we have to do once a quarter. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm flesh. I've come to this earth. And in John, he says, I would encourage you to eat my flesh and drink my blood so that you will remain in me. Jesus says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever, for I am the bread of life. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this is a time when we can reflect on his saving grace. But he wants us not to just do it once a quarter or a few times a year. He's saying daily, feast on my flesh. Feast on my blood, which is the remission of sin. Daily spend time with me. Daily invite me into your life so that I can establish that new covenant in your life where I will write your law of love upon your hearts and upon your minds. It says then that Jesus, while the meal was still going, got up and as Leith has just said, took the bowl and washed the disciples' feet. And he said to the disciples, do you know what I've done for you? And he says to us, do you know what I've just done for all of you people? I've set you an example to serve each other humbly. He doesn't say, hey, just once a quarter, wash each other's feet out on the courtyard. We're not doing that today. But the challenge is still there, that we should humbly serve each other not just once a quarter, but every single day. Jesus says, as you take the new covenant, as you allow me to be in your heart and mind, I will bring my law of love upon your heart and you will humbly serve one another. And he's saying that to disciples, he's saying that to us today. So the purpose of this communion time is to one, to reflect back and remember the beautiful saving grace of Jesus Christ, his broken body and his spilt blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, which leads to salvation. The other thing that we need to remember on this day, that Jesus says, feast on my body every single day. Take the bread of life every day. And grow in the relationship with me so that I can continue to work in your life. And as I work in your life, you will humbly serve one another. I came to this earth, he said, not to be served, but to serve. And those in this world who are the greatest are those who serve one another. And that's the invitation today. So as the deaconesses come and uh, take the uh, covers off of the... Uh, bread and wine, I'd encourage you to just take a few seconds to think in your life of how special Jesus Christ is for you.
how special all the wonderful things that he has done in the past and continues to do now. And as we pray on the bread and the wine, uh, as we focus on the significance of that, as it's been given out and there's a bit of music playing, I just encourage you to just to think in meditation of how wonderful Jesus Christ is. And if there's anything that you need to confess to him, that you take that opportunity to do that. So I'd invite you just to bow your heads uh, where you are, take an atmosphere of uh, prayer and a significant focus on Jesus Christ as we ask the blessing upon this today. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and your goodness and your mercy for all of us. Jesus, we just want to say this morning as we reflect back on what you have done, we just want to say a big thank you. How can we as human beings thank you who is God and was God and have come down here to be man on this earth? Lord, we just want to praise your name. We want to thank you for the fact that you are willing to give up being God to come here on this earth and to suffer and die for us that we may have life in you. And Lord, we just really praise your name and we just want to acknowledge you and Lord we find it hard to even think of the words to give you that acknowledgement and praise and Lord I just really pray that as people have their heads bowed and their eyes closed and their hearts turned to you I just really pray that if there is anything in our hearts and our lives that need to be confessed that we will take this opportunity right here and now to confess that before you Lord, we want to be pure in your sight because you want to dwell within our lives. And so we ask that as we take this uh, bread that represents your broken body and as we take this grape juice that represents your spilt blood, that we will remember that you are wanting to dwell within our hearts and minds, not just once in a while, but every single day. And Lord, we just really pray that you may bless these... And that you will, Lord, come physically through your presence of the Holy Spirit and dwell within us right here and now. Fill us, Lord, with your presence so that we may know that we truly are your disciples. And that we truly can produce the fruit through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we just thank you, Lord, so much for everything you've done. We pray that... As you dwell within us, we will take that wonderful opportunity of representing you here on this earth. What a privilege it is for all of us here to represent the God of heaven here on this earth. We pray that people, as they look into our lives, they will see the heart of love, the heart of compassion, the heart of justice, the heart of mercy that you put into our life because you dwell within us. So thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your goodness and your mercy. We pray a blessing upon each person here. And we pray that your spirit will fill us and be in us and around us and through us in the lives of others we ask. For Christ's sake, amen.